Welcome to the Creation Podcast. I'm Christy Hardy. Today we're talking with ICR science writer and speaker, Brian Thomas, about the evidence that persuaded him to reject evolution and embrace biblical creation. Thanks so much for joining us, Brian. My pleasure. So Brian, you used to be an evolutionist and now you work in creation ministry. What changed? I did have a dramatic turnaround. It came about when I was in college. As an evolutionist, I was taking biology courses and convinced and persuaded by what the professors taught and told me that evolution was true, that I came from ape-like ancestors and those came from fish and all the way back. And that was all challenged by a friend of mine who basically asked me for the evidence that backs up that story. And I said, oh, I don't need evidence. All the scientists already believe it. And so how could they all be wrong? That was my evidence. And he said, well, is there any actual scientific evidence for that? And I said, no. And so we had this conversation that extended over several months. And basically, he kept bothering me by asking me this question about, you know, put up or shut up. You know, give me some evidence for what you believe, Brian. And I couldn't really do a good job of it. And so he said, you know what? Why don't you read this book on creation and tell me what's wrong with this? So I did that. And I thought I was going to knock holes in the creation ideas. Sounded silly to me. But by the time I finished the book, I realized I was all wrong. And this creation idea really made much more sense of the design in the world and the fossils that are in the rocks and, you know, from creation and the flood. And Genesis really seemed to put all these pieces together for me. And that's when it changed. What do you think is the strongest evidence against evolution? For me, it's the specific design I mean, Darwin himself put a challenge out there in his book, Origin of Species. He said, and I'll paraphrase this, something like, if it could be demonstrated that any complex organ existed that could not possibly arise from numerous slight successive modifications, then my theory would absolutely break down, not just partly, absolutely. And that has been demonstrated. We have that. We've found these systems in place in all living cells. We have little molecular motors, for example, that have you know, rotating parts and bushings and stators and their water-cooled engines and teeny tiny micro-machines. And so how do you get a micro-machine like that, a motor, by numerous successive slight modifications of random bits and parts? You don't. You can't. The only way to get a motor is to have all the parts of that motor in place at the same time. It's all or nothing design systems. And when I started to see those, which by the way, my biology classes did not emphasize that at all. They said, oh, it just works. Oh, it just happens. But then when I independently, outside of my textbook, began to investigate, how does this work? What are the details on these designs? Then I realized, oh, this just can't happen except by creation, period. You've kept up with soft tissue discoveries over the years and even conducted some of your own research on old bones. Why is soft tissue in dino bones such a significant find? A lot of these finds, let me just say off the bat, They're not soft and they're not tissues, but they are remnants of what was once soft, and they are bits and pieces of what was once tissue. It may just be cells, or it may just be molecules that were once in cells. We call those biomolecules. And these biomolecules decay. They decay in many cases at known rates. And so we have very well-established, scientifically, repeatably lab-tested expectations on how long they can last at certain temperatures. And so these are little tiny time clocks. So whether it's a certain protein or a nucleic acid or 
a sugar or a wax or, you know, some other kind of lipid, whatever the biomolecule is, we have an idea, a good idea of how long it should last, even in the best circumstances and conditions in Earth. And so what does that do? It tells us that if you find these little biomolecules in something, it should be no more than thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of years old in theory. So when we start finding these in all kinds of fossils, all kinds of rock strata, pre-Cambrian even, Cambrian, Paleozoic rock layers have these biomolecules still in them. And it's all over the globe. Every continent has these. It's reported in the literature. And we have now collected 100 secular literature reports of biomolecules in fossils. And every single one is a little separate time clock that's ticking away saying, I'm still here, I'm recent, I was deposited recently. And that, of course, confirms the timing of the Genesis account of history. We'll talk more with Brian Thomas in just a moment. Did you know ICR hosts live events across the nation? Our scientists are speaking in the Boston area this weekend, and we'll kick off 2019 with a conference near Houston, Texas. We're constantly adding new creation events to our calendar. Visit icr.org events to find out when we're coming to a city near you. Looking for the perfect gift? ICR's online store offers creation resources for all ages, from space guides to dinosaur DVDs, and even science kits for your kids. You'll find great gifts for the whole family. Find all of this and more at icr.org store. Now, let's pick up where we left off. Brian, as Christians, why does it matter whether we believe in creation or evolution? If we believe in evolution as Christians, as I once did as a Christian, the consequence of that for me was I couldn't believe all the scripture. And so I lacked confidence in this Bible. I did not know which verse to start believing and which verse to stop believing. And there was no objective way that I could see to determine, you know, which parts of this is true, and which parts is not so true as I guess how I thought of it. And that, of course, just eroded my confidence that I knew what God was trying to say. And what's the whole point of the Bible? He's trying to reach out to us and tell us some specific information. He's trying to tell us where we came from, why we're here, where we're going. And if we believe in evolution, then we can't trust what the Bible says about where we came from because they contradict one another. Evolution says millions, Bible says thousands. Evolution says morphing between kinds. The Bible says created separate kinds. Two totally different stories. Evolution says death has been around forever. The Bible says, no, death started after sin. And that's why we need savior from sin. So the very foundation for the gospel, logically speaking, comes from a genesis as being history. So why is it important? Because belief in creation gives us the foundation for the gospel, and it also gives us confidence in God's word, and it also elevates our view of God himself to being one who is capable of communicating clearly exactly what he meant to say for all people, all places, all times. Most of us have friends or family members who believe in evolution. What advice do you have for holding effective and hopefully persuasive conversations about creation? Right. The best tactic that I know is to just ask questions. I'm serious. Like, just ask questions. So when you talk about origins, even with a Christian or a non-Christian, really when you talk about anything that you are at complete odds with another person on. For example, when Jesus talked with the Pharisees, their view on knowing God was the opposite of Jesus's view. So they said, for example, 
the way to know God is to do good works. And that's how you please God. And then Jesus was coming along saying, no, the way to please God is to trust him and believe him and take him at his word. It's not about you doing, it's about him doing for you what you cannot do. And they disagreed. So how did Jesus handle them? He didn't come to them with all these five principles of how to know God. You know, <laughs> He came and simply asked them questions about what they were saying. So I think that's what we need to do with those who believe the opposite of us. We can't just go in and start saying, well, you're wrong because it's all, all that does is shut the door, right? It just builds walls. So we want to be bridge builders, not wall builders. And the way to build bridge is to care about what someone thinks, to care about what they say, and to ask them questions and do what my friend did for me when I was transformed. He asked me for some support with some evidence for my belief in evolution. And when I couldn't produce it, that's what got me on the trail to being converting to creation, basically. So he asked me questions, so I recommend the same. We may have podcast listeners who are still trying to decide whether they believe in creation or evolution. Do you have any further words of encouragement or help for them? I would just encourage those kinds of conversations to start with questions. And we need to ask. We need to ask questions like, what really is at stake? If we believe in evolution, what are the consequences to Scripture if we believe in evolution? And before long, if someone really considers that question, they should come up with some reasonable conclusions like, well, if evolution is true, then Genesis history can't be true. And if Genesis history can't be true, then what do I make of the words of Jesus or Peter or the other authors of the Bible who referred to Genesis events as though they were history? So we need to make a decision. Am I going to believe the Bible or am I going to believe the history that evolution embraces? And then another question, line of questioning we should use has to do with who is our authority? Why is it that we're taking the words of fallible men, scientists though they may be, they weren't there? So why is it that we're taking their word over and above and more authoritative in our lives than the words of God, the creator, who was there, who knows everything? Who are we going to trust? That's a decision that every believer should make. It turns out that once we dig into the scientific details, we find that they corroborate and support the words of God. And so that's my encouragement. Ask the kinds of questions that lead someone to think more critically about what they believe and why we believe it. We're not scared of truth. We follow the truth wherever it leads. And uh, it turns out that the scientific truth, the truth that we find in the world, matches the truth that we find in God's Word. And it's a wonderful, freeing, liberating alignment. Brian, thank you for sharing your story. You've encouraged us to examine the evidence for creation, to use questions when we discuss evolution with our friends, and to trust God's Word from the first page to the last. And thank you, podcast listeners, for tuning in. If you'd like ICR to answer your creation questions on future episodes, send us a message on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash ICR Science. Remember to subscribe to the Creation Podcast on iTunes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review the show so more listeners can find us. Join ICR next time for another episode of the Creation Podcast.